Today's reading is 1 Peter 2, verses 11 to 25. Living Godly Lives. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that they, by doing good, should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it, to your credit, if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be able to be with you here today, even if it's not in person. Well, living good lives from 1 Peter chapter 2. And if you happen to have a Bible open, that would be really great because I was going to do some PowerPoint slides, but that obviously wouldn't work as well uh, in this format. So 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Well, when I was 16, I went to Denver, Colorado as an exchange student for six months. I felt like a foreigner. Even though I was made to feel very welcome, the people were kind to me. I felt like a foreigner because even though we all spoke English, I struggled to understand people and so many words have different meanings over there. I was staying with a family that was very different from my own and it did feel like I was a stranger at first. I was reminded daily that I was a foreigner as they recognised my accent. They did seem to like it. Would I change how I spoke and come back with an American accent? Well, when we see each other in person, you'll have to ask me the answer to that question. Being a stranger or foreigner is something I will come back to in a few minutes. From 1 Peter so far, we've learned about how we have been given an amazing new identity. Just the few verses before, 
from chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now we know who we are. We need to live lives that reflect this new identity and the new situation that we actually are in. So Peter goes on to say in the beginning of this section, in verse 11 and 12, about what it would be like to live in the world. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Peter highlights again some aspects of our new identity. We are actually foreigners and exiles. When Peter was writing this letter, Christians were not treated very well. They were in the minority. A lot of suspicion about what they did when they met together and a little later under Nero, they were targeted and executed just for being Christian. Today in Australia, we're in the minority as Christians. We don't dominate the landscape anymore. In one way, you could argue this is a good thing because perhaps we just got too comfortable and felt like we fully belonged to this world and we just started to conform or change to fit in. We are to act as people who have their citizenship elsewhere, not in this world. We are exiles who will only be here for a short period of time. Our home is not on this current earth, but in the new heaven and the new earth that Jesus will fully usher in when he returns. So we need to live differently. We do not join in with the practices, the thinking, the views and norms of our culture. Temptations are clearly all around us to give in to our desires, desires that can take us away from God. We are always being tempted to go back to our old identity and live the lives that, lives that sought revenge, that seeks to pay back, that is angry, that holds grudges, that gossips, and I could go on and on. The language Peter uses is of war. The sinful desires wage war against us, trying to defeat us and destroy us. Instead, we are to live good lives. That's not so we are praised as being good, but that God might be glorified. So our aim in life is to glorify God. What we have done in life, both seen and unseen, is known by God and will come out on the day when Jesus returns to judge the world. Living good lives can encourage people to ask questions about God. This was the way, main way that the early church grew. They were known for their acts of kindness and service to all people. And this led to people asking about God and ultimately becoming followers of Jesus. Peter now goes on to give a number of examples of what this would look like. 2,000 years ago, to live a good life. We can take these principles and apply to our lives. 
So he starts by talking about submitting to those in authority in verses 13 to 17. When God created the world, it was ordered and purposeful. This is still how the world should operate. For humans to live in an ordered world, we need rulers and governments to set laws for the community. And Peter calls us to submit to these rulers. He says, verse 13, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you could silence, should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. We submit to rulers for Jesus' sake. We don't submit to an institution, but to humans. The role of the government is to praise the good and punish the evildoer. This is so that society will run better and the people can live and flourish. Peter says that by obeying and doing good, this will stop all the slander and snide comments about Christians that were going around. Today we have a major problem as the church has been held to account for the evil that has happened, especially in the abuse of young people. The hypocrisy has meant that the good that others have done has been cancelled by the evil. These actions have pulled people away from God. Peter goes on to say in verse 16, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. We are free to live as we choose, but we need to be wise. Remember, we are actually slaves to God. We find this difficult to say, let alone accept, as we prize our freedom so highly. We all live for someone, and usually it is for ourselves. But we are a chosen people, God's children, so that means we should live for God first. We live under God. God calls us to submit to authorities, so we should. Verse 17 sums it up really well. Peter says, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. It doesn't say respect those who you like or agree with. It doesn't say respect those who are nice to you. Peter says respect everyone. Then there is a special relationship with believers as we are family. We're not just to respect believers. Peter tells us to go the next step. We're to love. Love is a conscious choice of putting someone before yourself, thinking of their needs before your own. Then we are to honour the emperor, but we're to fear God. To fear God is to hold him in his rightful place, to revere and acknowledge who he is the creator and sustainer of this world, the one who holds our future in his hands. Peter goes on to give us another message about what it means to live a good life. And this message is to slaves in verse 18 to 21. He says, verse 18, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? 
But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. This part can be very hard for us as we just want to scream out, slavery is wrong at every level. Yes, it is. However, we do need to remember that there is modern day slavery going on today, which is very shameful. But we need to put ourselves in a culture of 2,000 years ago. Slaves were part of the household and the household was the key unit of the community. It is interesting that Peter doesn't speak to masters, the ones who had all the power, but he speaks to the slaves, those that had no power over their own lives. Peter calls slaves who have no power, no authority, to join in the mission of Jesus. They were called. To begin, Peter says, slaves in reverent fear of God. That's the starting point, their relationship with God, the God who is all-powerful and all-seeing. They are to submit to the role they have to play in the society. They are to work hard, just not when they're treated well, but also when mistreated, when they're treated unjustly. They are to leave justice to God. They endure injustice, leaving justice to the one who sees and knows all, that is God. I wonder how many slave owners felt about Peter's what he said. Would they have been chastised for the way they were treating their slaves? Would they have been annoyed that slaves were spoken to at all in this text? Well, finally we find that Christ is actually the example to follow for slaves, but for all of us. In verses 22 to 25, it says about Christ, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Slaves are to follow Christ's example. And what was Jesus' example? He committed no sin. There was no deceit. No retaliation when he was insulted. He bared, bore no threats. He trusted God who is the judge of all and he left judgment to God. And what did Jesus' suffering achieve? Jesus took our place so that sin would be dealt with. Jesus' suffering brought us healing. The injustice of Jesus' execution is shocking. It's outrageous. And if it happened today, it would be all over the news. His death was undeserved. But his suffering and death brings us life. We can live for righteousness. Well, what about us today? We can get sidetracked in this text by talking about the merits of slavery in the first century, but that would be to miss the whole point of what Peter is trying to convey. We can get stuck on injustice. There are many texts in the Old and New Testament that talk about God's heart for those oppressed and persecuted, and we should seek to bring justice for those people. 
Peter is not saying ignore what is going on around us. He's talking about living a good life, which will encompass seeking justice for all. Today we're thinking a little bit about reconciliation for our First Nations people. There has been great injustices to our First Nations people and it continues to happen. We do need to seek justice for all. Peter is giving us a few clues, I think, in this text on how to live in this world. It's not an exhaustive list and we need to remember that. But I want to highlight a few things. Firstly, Peter tells us that all we do should bring glory to God. The goal of our behaviour is to bring glory to God. That is the lens we should put all our actions through. There was a movement many years ago called WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? It was very popular. But I think a better motto would be, will this bring glory to God? Will what I think, my actions or my inactions, will this bring glory to God? Will this bring people closer to God or will it push them away? Our behaviour will only change if we change on the inside first. So we need to bring our desires unto check. This can then lead to living good lives, which can bring people towards God. It might not be so much about converting someone, but giving an opportunity to explain why we choose to live the lives we do. In a church I was at a number of years ago, there was um, a husband. His wife was a committed Christian and he was very sciencey and really just could not accept the message of the gospel, of the good news about Jesus. He came to church with his wife occasionally and gradually over time, as different social events happened that he was invited to at various functions at St Mark's, um, where I was, he came along. He eventually started going to a small group with his wife. He actually eventually became a Christian. And I remember when I heard his testimony, he said, I was loved into the kingdom. It wasn't words, it was actions that brought him into the kingdom. He saw the way other people lived and he really just in the end, he still had questions, but in the end, he was loved into the kingdom. Well, secondly, do we show honour and respect to the rulers of our land? This is pretty important at the moment. This means we should speak respectfully of those in authority, even if we don't agree. Politics can obviously get people very heated, and we all have our sides that we stick to, but we need to stand above the cheap shots, the derogatory comments. We should pray and willingly submit to those ruling us. This means for the federal, state, local government, but also can be applied to the people who run Uh, the church. And finally, how do we respond to injustice that will happen to us? We may not be slaves, but we have all been treated unfairly. We all carry the pain of suffering for the wrong done to us. Or we suffer when the good we have done goes completely unnoticed. And this can happen in the workplace, at home, at school, with friends. How do we respond? We're called to respond like Christ. We hold on to the fact that God is a just judge and sees all. All will be held to account. 
No one will get away with anything before God. We justify our anger today because we were wronged. We want to repay evil for evil. But this is not Christ's example. We are in a hard time at the moment. But are we willing to live good lives for Christ, to bring him glory? Are we willing to respect and honour those in authority in our land? And for us in Victoria at the moment, that is particularly the case. And how do you and I respond to injustices in our own lives? May God help us each as we continue to reflect over the coming days on his word to us. Amen.